back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Sokol. This week, we're reviewing the new Netflix film, Mank. This is written by Jack Fincher, who is David Fincher's late father, and David Fincher is the director of this film. This is a biographical drama about Herman Mankiewicz, who was tasked to write the screenplay for what has notably been one of the best films ever written and before, you know, produced Citizen Kane. So this is kind of like a fictional slash, you know, take on that whole story. Um, first off, I will say the great thing that I think that Fincher captured really well about this film is throughout the whole thing. It looks like a vintage black and white film and it sounds like a vintage black and white film. I thought that yes. was captured very well. Yeah, it has that that mono mono sound where you hear the crackling and the the sound quality, the cinematography, everything was very in tune to the style of Cinecitizen itself, and just kind of giving that that air to the the nineteen thirties feel and uh, early sorry late nineteen thirties uh, early nineteen forties feel. Yeah, and it really worked for the film um, because it gave it the sense of history, sense of the vintage look. It and puts you in, it puts you in that uh, that's time setting really well. That, yeah, it's put in the era, but um, yeah, it's it's a kind of unique story. Uh, of course, the great actor Orson Welles has uh, called upon Herman Mankiewicz, who's played by the incredible Gary Oldman. And you know, if you ever think about today when you hear about screenplays, some people it takes them years to finish a screenplay. Well, he was first contracted at three months. And then it's put down to 60 days to pen this uh, script. And the issue with Mankiewicz is, one, at the time that he is tasked to do this, he's gotten into a car wreck. So his leg is broken. Yeah, so he's completely bedridden. He can't move, really. And then the other thing is he is an alcoholic. And so he struggles with uh, his demons. And... Um, He's very peculiar about certain things. He, there's, there's a lot about this movie. It's about the system, how the movie system is with the studios. And he's a bit of a gamble. He's a bit of a uh, lone shark in a way in that he has a very particular style. And he doesn't really give allegiance to the studios like most of the people in this time era are supposed to be. He kind of is doing his own path. And in a way, it gets him in trouble a lot. Gary Oldman... Definitely rocked it out in this movie. This is another great role for him. Uh, it's a very wordy role. This is this whole movie is very wordy. I would say the screenplay by Jack Fincher, again David Fincher's late father. He was actually he actually wrote this back in the early '90s, and the the tent was to have this film come out in the late '90s with actually Kevin Spacey and Jodie Foster in the leads. Uh, did not come to fruition. And so this is kind of like a love letter, I think, from David Fincher to finish his dad's uh, script here. Gary Oldman definitely is a master in this. There's a style he has to this with this vintage look. And there's a bit of a interesting accent. You know, he's this kind of Jewish writer that's 
He talks like this a lot in the movie when he's describing how he's going to do this. And again, we, we've known that Gary's a master at accents and things. So he was very good. Um, Amanda Seyfried plays the other kind of main lead. She's this uh, actress who she's kind of like a it's it's weird. It's like I wouldn't even go as far as a wife, but she's kind of like a a award in a way to a uh, Hurst, who, if you have heard of that name, he was a very wealthy man. I've actually been to Hearst Castle before okay, uh, cool. in California. Um, it's not open now due to COVID, but you can actually go and tour there. And it's this huge, huge place. And all those scenes in the movie where they were in Hearst Castle. Um, That's really cool. I wonder if they filmed it actually in Hearst Castle or if they just, you know, made up sets. Um, looks very realistic. But there's a, a lot of this movie that is that is kind of indicating that Herman-based Citizen Kane off of Charles Hurst. And there's a lot of parallels to that throughout the film, including like these flashback scenes, which I thought was interesting when they would like, they would type out like, like on the well, screen. The old, old style typewriter script, like just getting you into that writer mentality. And they, mm -hmm. which was nice though, because it did explain what was going on because I think a challenging thing in a lot of films is the flashback because sometimes you don't know when is present or when is past or, or what's future. It's William Randolph first. I was saying Charles Hurst. <laughs> it's cause it's Charles dance playing him. This is a classic Chris moment. This is a crap. I'll just keep this in. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> William Randolph Hurst played by Charles dance, who of course you most know from game of Thrones. He's been in a ton of other things. He was, um, the head Lannister. So uh, he, he, he actually, he's so tall. I thought he had this very masterful presence of being like a, a whole head over Gary Oldman. And because he's this very powerful, rich person, there was this kind of sense of uh, a little danger when he was around. Um, Definitely well cast physically well cast. for the role mm -hmm. and just his commanding presence in general. Um, another person I really liked was uh, Lily Collins who we've seen in, you know, a lot of rom-coms and things. Um, she plays Herman's secretary in this. So because, again, he's bedridden, she, you know, he's kind of the one dictating this is, you know, next line is this, and it's her job to write it down. But she's got some personal drama going on with the war and stuff. So there's this connection between the two of them. And I kind of like that throughout this whole film, there's a lot of moments where Gary Oldman's character is interacting with women but it's not in a sexual way. No, and and, and later on, his wife, um, his actual wife in the film, um, she comments on this, which I think is great. He does have these great platonic relationships with women where it's not sexual at all. It's all very, very friendly, but in a way, it's it's very deep where they mm -hmm. really connect. And he has a lot of those moments, especially with Lil Khan's character. And of course, uh, another C. great Freed. performance, Amanda Seyfried, mm -hmm. which she, I thought, did a fantastic job in this film. This is one of her, um, one of her best things that I've seen from her. Yeah, she, she was really that Hollywood starlet. She really had that look. And again, because she's kind of playing this character that is, I, it's it's weird. It's like she's owned by William Hurst in a way. Like mm -hmm. she has an allegiance to him. And it's one of those like, you know, it's like a sugar daddy. Like he pays for yeah. all her stuff. So she has to be in the movies that he produces and you could tell that she kind of wants to get out of that, but you know, she, she has to keep her allegiance to who's paying the bills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who's, um, who's keeping the lights on here. Yeah. 
Um, I, I wanted to go back real quick to, again, the sense of uh, wordy. It was a very wordy script. I felt like the, the difficult thing about keeping up with this movie is it's not a plot in which there's a lot of, there's no like major big action sequences. I mean, there's one scene in particular where uh, Gary Oldman has to run to catch up to a car and get into a car, but like that's probably the the most action. Most action. I mean, not that I was looking for this to be an action film, but it it goes back and forth with flashbacks a lot, and it's very wordy. So I I will say it was a little hard to follow. And there's a whole plot line too about the politics side of films, and when studios would align with a you know a political party, and that whole plot line got a little confusing to me. Uh, especially because it's the time era where I, I don't really know the names. I had heard of Upton Sinclair before because, of course, he's an author. Um, but uh, there was just some things I was like, I, I don't really know um, what's going on. <laughs> but Well, yeah, it is. You have to have – I had to do a little bit of research to kind of understand a little bit of the history. And, of course, this is a time that, you know, we're not that familiar with, with uh, the communism on the rise. And, and, and there's a lot of – a lot of big political issues that I think uh, kind of struggle to keep my interest in the film. Um, and I, and we talked about this and I will say, I think this film w- would have served the story material better because I think this is, these are the stories that I want to see more of. There are a lot of that behind the scenes. Oh, you know, we know citizen Kane, but this is behind the scenes of, you know, what took to make this film and why it is, you know, so great to this day. So people compare it to, you know, this was the Citizen Kane of movies or this is Citizen Kane of, you know, pizza. I don't know. But what I think would have been better for this film is it is a long film and it, over two hours long, but it's a long two hours mm-hmm. where and I, I struggle. It's a little a slow. To, it's a little slow. It's a lot of these yeah. long drawn out, just again, dialogue scenes. It's not a lot of quick pace, like moving the plot along. It's a lot of drawn out dialogue scenes because we're, we're getting a little bit of his back history, his family's back history, uh, Amanda Seyfried's back history, you know, and I, I, I know what you're going to say. We talked about it last night a little bit. This probably would have worked better as a series. A limited series, if anything. You know, yeah, not, not a not a yeah. And now the sixth season of Mank. Yeah. <laughs> it's in and it just turns into Monk. And that's when uh, yeah. It, it yeah evolves. Um yeah, I wonder what what it had been like if this had been like a maybe even like a six to ten hour uh, show that would have captured. And, you know, I think the other problem, too, is when it comes to Citizen Kane, I've seen that movie once. I, I saw it back and I think it was probably high school. I think one of my classes, we watched it uh, over the course of a few classes to kind of discuss about film history. Um, so that's the other thing is I've only seen the film once in my life. Um, so I don't really remember it that well. Yeah. And I feel like had I maybe watched it first, then watched this film, it would have had a little more impact on me to be like, oh, well, I've actually never seen it. So, oh, um, yeah, I know Mr. Film Buff here. I've not seen it. So I feel like I should watch it after this to to get more of that. But we've seen time and time again, whether it's a real life story or fictional, that these limited series do work very well. We've seen, um, of course, it's, you know, based off a book like Queen's Gamut, things like that. I think these limited series do work very well because you have time to really elaborate. There's so much going on in this film that I don't think we can appreciate the nuances or the importance of everything because we're trying to pay attention to so much 
in so little time. Mm-hmm. Very true. I did want to add here that um, you know, talking about Orson Welles, uh, Tom Burke plays Orson Welles, and I thought he did a really great job of capturing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Orson's uh, voice and the look and the style, um, which was you know very important to this because the whole the whole thing is that this is this is a time and era where he's asking Herman to pen this script knowing that he'll be well paid, but he won't get credit for it. And by the end, he's like, actually, I don't want that much money, but I want screen credit. And Orson Welles is not happy about that. No. Uh, but he did end up getting screen credit. And, you know, Citizen Kane, uh, the only award that they won was uh, Best Original Screenplay. And it is uh, Herman and Orson shared credit for that. So, um, so I mean, it, it did work out. He got an Oscar for it, you know, after all this stuff. But, um, yeah, interesting film, you know. I, I look back at the Fincher films I've seen. Uh, you know, we, we talked about Alien 3 on this podcast, but, yeah. you know, movies like Seven and things, and I'm like, it this doesn't even feel like a film in his repertoire because his it's, wheelhouse, a, yeah. it's such a unique style and unique thing. But I think, again, this was one that was like a love letter to his dad that he had written this screenplay, and he was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that movie that my dad always wanted to make. Um, so in that, I, you know, I say it definitely didn't bore me for two hours. I think it's again, a really unique looking film and it's well acted and it's got great music and everything. I just wish it had been a little clipped along more. I would have seen if this had been more like an hour 40, maybe. Yeah. Or even an hour 50, I think a good hour 50, there are some stuff they could have cut out and still had the same impact Mm -hmm. because what this movie excelled in with the look and the feel of it, it just lacked in in the length of it. It did get bogged down in the time of it, but I would not be surprised if this is up for quite a few awards, especially with cinematography and best actor. I think there's um, a lot of good potential for, for award season for this film. Yes, which is, that's going to be very interesting as well. We'll definitely be uh, keeping up with that. And we'll probably have a little uh, episode on the Oscar noms when those uh, are announced next year, because this is such an interesting year already with, you know, we've only had so many films released. We've had more streaming films released than I think in theaters, but there's been some good content and there's still some movies yet to come out this month that might still also get some nominations. So definitely be curious about that. But um, yeah, overall, you know, Worth a look. Definitely worth a look during the day. <laughs> Don't try watching yes. this late at night. <laughs> Don't do what I did. Watch it starting at 1130 or midnight. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. W- watch it during the day. Have a nice cup of coffee. I watched I watched film. it about seven o'clock and I was able to get through, you know, an early evening watch. Uh, not so much a late at night. So, um, but yeah, we'd say uh, check out, you know, give it a go. Even if you watch it over a few nights, check out Mank the new Netflix film. And that was this week's Potential Pick. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know know your your potential. potential.